Praise the Lord, everybody. Let the old man get situated here with his three pairs of glasses, and he still carries a paper Bible. Still uses paper notes. Man, I'm archaic, I'll tell you what. But uh, happy to be here this morning. How about you? You can be seated. Uh, I'm uh, actually pretty odd at the presence of God, pretty odd at some of the things that the pastor said about being patient, waiting on the Lord. I'd like you to mark those words and some more of the words that he said so that you'll see that I believe the Spirit of God is trying to talk to us in a substantive way. And I may not scream a lot or talk a lot, I don't know, but I do know what the message is. Amen. And uh, if I'll rehearse just last week's message a little bit with you, the last time I was with you, we were supposed to go back to back, and I was trying to preach, or I believe the Lord was trying to talk to us about the other side of a renewed mind. We've spent a lot of real estate, we've covered a lot of real estate, we've spent a lot of time talking about a renewed mind or a new heart, and I don't believe we'll ever stop doing that, as that is an ongoing process. And in part of that, I mentioned to you that if you remember, the, everybody remembers this part of that message, probably the bathroom prayer. Everybody remember that, the Jewish bathroom prayer? Learning to eliminate was the theme of that message. And uh, there, are, there are so many things, and I, I hate to tell you this, but there are people in your lives that you need to eliminate. Amen. That sounds a little harsh. Some of you young people may not know who Nelson Mandela is. Shame on you if you don't, but Nelson Mandela was a prolific figure who spent roughly 27 years unlawfully, you could say, in a prison in terrible conditions in South Africa. And in our, uh, in our Next Steps class, uh, this came out, Sister Lori and I were trying to put this quote together. So I wrote it down so I'd get it right. But Nelson Mandela said, as he walked, as I walked out the door towards that gate that would lead me to freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. There's a big lesson there to learn. All of you, every one of us need to learn to eliminate things in our lives. There are times we walk into a service or a gathering like today and, and we, we, we really leave something behind because we fail to just leave something behind and step forward. And, and the cause of that usually is your mind. And we've talked many, many times from Romans chapter 12. I'm just rehearsing and you should know it. I should be able to quote it. But I'll just rehearse it to you. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why? That ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That The why. We don't just, just up or trying to make you feel better about yourself or have a better day, month, or year. There is a why. And the why is important. It says that you will prove. And the word there in the Greek is dokimazo. And it, it literally, yeah, there we go. Dokimazo. Okie dokimo, you know. <laughs> dokimazo. I promise you I am not pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> but it sounds good. Dokimazo. And, um. It literally means to test or to scrutinize, but it comes from a root word that means to think. So when it says in Romans, this famous chapter, this verse that we keep repeating, uh, be renewed in your mind that you may think correctly about the will of God, about the good 
will of God and the perfect will of God. And that's the point at which most of us fail. We just can't get past our own preconceived thinking. Jesus said things to his own people like Luke 12 and 56. You hypocrites, you cannot dokimazo. You cannot discern. You can't, you can, excuse me, you can discern the face of the sky. And if you break that down into modern English, it's just saying you can Think correctly about the weather, about the stars and the moons and what the forecast will be, but you can't think correctly about the season that's right in front of you, i.e. me. And there were some of us that just, and I'm not on you and I'm not mad, but I'm encouraging you because we need to learn to increase. That's the spirit that's in this place right now. And, and I'm just encouraging you, you're going to have to recognize these moments where right thinking just is a click away from you and then you enter into something more than you have Then, there's places where Paul said, I'm going to have a little bit of scripture today, which if you know my eye situation is a complete miracle. But I had to write it in 25 font, you know, so I could see it. Romans 1 and 28 says, and even as they did not like, guess what word that is? Dokimazo. Even as they did not like to think about God or retain him in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So we're not just wasting your time talking about a renewed mind and a renewed heart, about new thinking. This is probably the most preeminent thing that we could talk to you about. Everything depends on whether you're going to let God change the way you think about him, about you, about me, about the house of God, about your spouse, about your family, about the neighbor sitting next to you, about your kids. If God can't change that, you are destined to be who you are today forever. Mm. You know, in Message Bible, it says, don't be so well-adjusted to this culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And there is the key, fixing your attention. You see, I would gather that most everybody, I won't say all, there's always a few, but most everybody would like to to, uh, experience, at least once in their lifetime, a renovated or a renewed mind. Could I get an amen? Wave your hand at me if, if you like a renewed mind. I just want to see how many honest folks we have in the house. All you Holy Ghost saved people, you're lying, you know, even, even after the Holy Ghost, there's work to be done. Many, many of us, through the grace of God, even experienced that reality. Did everybody ever experienced the reality of a renovated or renewed mind before? Wave at me. We're going to participate together a little bit today. Amen. Everybody wave their hand. But you know what? The majority of the many of us that reach that place, after arriving at destination transformed, we fail to stay there or we depart quickly for another destination simply because we cannot stay focused on what God is doing and what he has done. This isn't rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about what you're focusing on. Proverbs 1 and 5 says, A wise man will shema, or hear, and he will increase in learning. In other words, we know the Romans tells us, Paul tells in Romans, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Why? So that you will increase in what you have and what he's giving you. There, oh, there was a point in this, this place this morning where, uh, Brant Nielsen said to me, there's faith in here for the miraculous. And there was. And it was at that point that some of us had to make a decision whether we're going to stay the way we are 
or whether we're going to participate in the good increasing of God. And for those of you that think it's all God's shoulders to do that, you're wrong. He supplied the table before us. He says he even supplies a table in front of our enemies. He opened up a spread before us today and all he wanted us to do was think good enough about us and about him that we would step up to that table and receive. Now that miraculous, if you will, I, I'm not sure I like that because with God, it's not such a miracle. It's just, it's normal. We call it the supernatural. And we have all these terms. It's just a part of walking with God. It's only supernatural to us because we don't stay focused long enough to make it a normal part of our life. And we always want to live, you know, oh, I'm in so much trouble. You know the worst thing that I think, and it's my opinion. It's my opinion. That means it could be wrong. The worst thing that ever happened to Christianity was Frank Peretti. Y'all read them fiction books by Frank Peretti about piercing the darkness in his present darkness. And it, it was kind of this fantasy world where you could act out that book in your life. And everything was a spirit's fault and everything was a ghost's fault and everything involved spirits. And if I failed or my moral character had a bit of decay showing in it, then it was a spirit's fault. No, it's your fault. It re- that's, it's what he said. He said, it removes the responsibility from us and it puts it on things that really don't have the power that you're giving it. Oh, God in mercy. Oh, God. I don't know what you said, but I sure could use a relief. <laughs> so, AOD, not AOC. <laughs> Thank God for that. But AOC has become uh, AOD, AOD, anatomy of disciple has become what we believe that God gave us to use as a vehicle to begin to work these things in your practice in your life. And, and we use it as, as, as truly as a, a, as the, as kind of in the mechanics of growth. For instance, growth, for instance, I don't know if I've said this before, Brother Jolin, but Brother Jolin's a retired Marine Corps, E8, I think, and there's others, Brother Mallory and a few others, Brother Ray Lamone, retired Navy. And in all of our respected services, we all have this thing where we try to train to the highest level. In other words, we try to bring ourselves with live fire and bombs going around. They do, not me. With me, they just put us on the bottom of a ship and blindfold us, turn all the lights out and puff a little fake smoke in and say, get out, get out, get out. And, you know, usually come out with bumps all over your head. The point is, you're trying to train to the worst, in the worst circumstances, so that your heart will rise, if you will, your training will rise to its highest level. So when you're in crisis, your heart, spiritually speaking here, we left the military metaphor, your heart, if it's trained to the worst scenarios, and it can trust God there, when it happens, it'll rise to its highest level of training. Automatically. I remember, I remember... We had a fire aboard the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Chase coming up the Atlantic. We were, we were gone for three months, and we were coming home. Everybody was happy, and the billets caught on fire. That's where all the oil, excess oil, gathers. And our, our training was to immediately shut all the air ducts down and everything to try to drown the fire out while one guy got caught where he couldn't get out and died. But I remember I was sitting on the mess deck. I'm just a young, dumb E3. And I'm sitting on the mess deck, and you know how it is, Brother Joel, drill after drill after drill after drill. That's all you do half the time is drills. It gets so old, I can't, oh, I can't even talk about it. Frustration spirit's coming on me. Yeah, I got to let it go. 20 years of drills. 
But I'll tell you what, I saw its effect because on a ship, you're just not allowed to run one way and run the other. You go up and right and up and starboard and port and down and all this other stuff. There's all these rules. And honestly, I never really got them right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But somehow my training, when that, when that pipe went off, that, that intercom came up, now this is not a drill. This is not a drill. Fire, fire, fire. Compartment tech one, tech J, tech three, tech Lima. Fire, fire, fire. This is not a drill. I don't know how I got from the mess deck to the bridge. I don't remember how I got there. But I was there and I had my phones on, my sound power phones on, and I was manned and ready before half of anybody else was. I, do, I know now how that happened. Training. Training. Something the Christian church, it's like a dirty word. Training. Well, it's all God. It's all the Spirit. No, it's not. You're hiding. God gets greatest glory when he works with mud like us. So, praise God. How am I doing? Am I all right? Ready, 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 ready? Anybody that knows me realizes I'm a, I'm a reluctant preacher. I know there's preachers out there that think that's I shouldn't be that way. And I don't know why I am. The Lord has to help me. I need some uh, thinking change, perhaps. But uh, if you're going to learn to increase, and I want you to see the connection here that the Spirit made with Pastor Wright. If you're going to learn to increase, you're going to have to put into practice two basic principles. This isn't all the principles. These are the basic principles. But it is my opinion that the basic things in our walk with God are the things that we neglect so quickly. And we don't preach about them. And and, and it is horrible. For instance, how many preachers are in the ministers, preachers, deacons are in in the audience? Raise your hand real high. Come on now. So let me get a witness here. Even though we know that prayer is our number one ally and we should be completely dependent upon it, in the life of your ministry, it seems to be the one thing we always forget. I got an honest soul over here. Amen. 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 I don't don't like lying preachers. That's just the truth. The basics. So there are two basic principles. Principle one, you are going to have to learn, and I did not talk to him. You're going to have to learn to practice the art of remaining, waiting on the Lord. And you're going to have to learn the art or practice the art of remembering. I don't know how far we'll get today. We probably won't get to remembering, but let me just press forward. Psalms 128 is a beautiful, beautiful picture And what a day not to have a reader and some uh, screens for me. Amen. Doesn't Jesus love me? Doesn't he love me? He does love me. He really does. Psalms 128. No, I'm going to be stubborn and just push through it. We will show the devil God is greater. Amen. Psalms 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. My, uh, excuse me, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. By the sides of the house, thy children, like olive plants, round about the table. We'll get to the whole children around the olive plants because a lot of people suffer from condemnation that do not need to be condemned over their children. Amen. But that's another message for another time. Notice it says that your wife, and I think we all know from writings like Paul in Ephesians, says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. And everybody that's married say amen to that. It is a great mystery. <laughs> but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So we know that 
spiritually, if you will, right here we're talking about the church as this vine. It's not the vine because we know in John chapter 15, hang in there with me, John chapter 15, this is so beautiful. We, we have preached or talked about this from our class, Next Steps class, every week. I am the true vine, Jesus says. My father is the husband. Every branch and beareth fruit, not in me. We take it away. And it goes on and on. It says, abide in me in verse 4, and I in you. You know, it's a total love fest going on right here. But he is that vine, not we. But in this scenario, the church, the bride, everybody say me, you. You are like that vine. And you know, the commentaries and the smart people in life tell me as I read that this is the only tree or the only bush or vine that is actually in antiquity or in biblical times was rooted and grown from inside the house. It was either in a pot or it was actually, if there were dirt floors, they would let it grow right root right inside that house. And if they had to, they would uh, make a hole for the, the vine to come out and grow up the side of the house and bear its branches, and the branches would bear its fruit, or it would go out a window. And therein is one of your first simple lessons. You're not going to grow, and you'll never increase if you don't stay rooted in the house. It's impossible. It's not possible to bear fruit with, without deep roots in the house. It's just not possible. Amen? So, in order to abide or remain or wait patiently. See, every time we talk about remaining, everybody thinks we're talking about maintaining. I need to clarify, I'm not talking about a maintenance ministry. I'm not talking about maintaining what you have. I'll show you in a few minutes, that's not the way the Lord works in maintenance. That he's an increasing God and he wants us to learn how to increase with him. You must stay in the house. Remember Romans 12 where it said the good an acceptable and perfect will of God. And Paul kind of plays off that whole, uh, that Greek word where he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. These are all Greek plays on the same Greek word, and they all really mean the same thing. But if you take it back to the Hebrew, oh, I'm just, can I just be me for a few minutes? Is that all right? I can't help myself. But I, I've said this a thousand times. Here's a thousand and ones. The essence of all of this is about God building his house. And who dwells in the fa- in the house but the family? If you make it any more complicated than that, you've already kind of veered. Or honestly, the first Hebrew letter of the first Hebrew word Genesis or Bereshit, and that word starts with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet called Bet. And Bet pictorially and in etymological, in other words, it means a house. So by the first word of the uh, the first letter of the first word of the Hebrew Bible, God is saying, "I'm building a house." And you, I want my family to be in my house. And then we come across words in creation. Okay, okay. And then then we come across things in creation where uh, God created this, he created that. And every time he said, it's good, right? It's good. And we don't even have a clue. I don't even know who I'm mimicking there. I have no idea. I'm I'm channeling somebody. That's not a good thing, is it? It's so, and, and the word there is tov, the Hebrew word tov, shana tov, happy new year, you know, tov. And, and it, it, it comes from three Hebrew levers, tet, vav, and bet. And the importance of this is not an accident. And I know that we all can't know this, so just let me share it with you. If you break each word, letter down into its proper definition, it literally means the house that is securely surrounded by the Father. 
So when Paul was saying under the inspiration, the good and perfect will of God, I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He is implying that in order to be any of that or involved with any of that, you're going to have to be surrounded safely by him in the house. Woo! Yeah, and, and that means that it's a functioning house. And if you are a functioning house, then you must be surrounded by God's spirit. You can't function outside of his presence. You can't function outside. Well, you'll function, but you'll function for somebody else. For instance, for instance, the word Satan also comes from three Hebrew letters, Tet, Shin, and Nun. And guess what it means? The opposite of Tov. It means the serpent that surrounds to destroy or take away the life out of the house. What's surrounding your house? I will keep me, Lord, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Mm. I'm just having a moment here. Praise God. Let me move on. I need to finish. But let me, let me illustrate this point. I think it's Matthew 25. Right, Matthew 25. I think Pastor Wright preached on this a little while ago. But if you look at the story of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents, it's all about what I'm saying to you right now. It's about increase, right? I'll just rehearse it quickly. He goes to to, uh, three different dudes, and he says, look, I'm going to give you five towns. I'm going to give you two towns. I'm going to give you whatever, one town. And the the guy with five towns comes back and says, hey, Lord, I got five more. I got ten. And, you know, in today's world, we would have said, shh, shh, don't don't make Bill feel bad. He only had two. God, it's not about your quantity. It's about what you do with what you have. You know, God's not expecting, who's my friend? God's not expecting me to have the anointing of Brother Tino. And God's not expecting him, everybody say praise God for Tino's sake, to have my wacky anointing. We just have to increase what God has given us. Because God is a God of anger. Everybody say anger. I'm not talking about money, but money is a part of it. It can be a blessing. But I'm talking about in all aspects of your life, particularly and specifically to today. I'm sorry, I'm not the pastor, but I'm a little, I I get a little mad. And you can ask him, not mad is not right. We're bothered that we still haven't figured out that there's times when we gather, when the Spirit of God and that pool of Bethesda is is all messed up. And God says there's room for more than one in here and, and very few move. There ought to be services in an apostolic, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call us, church or any church that's sincere about God where the preacher just can't preach because the people are so busy getting increased. Because nobody can out-preach God. There are so many times I was up at 2 o'clock last night. God was preaching this stuff to me. and I'm putting stickies here and stickies there and trying to figure it out. And I said, God, I can never preach what you just preached to me. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to make him stop preaching to me. Because when he preaches to me, it pierces my soul. It benefits me. It increases me in ways I do not know how. 
need to get just like me in that sense. You can't sit still. You must be aggressive. You must find an element of discipline. You've got to have, as Alan Ogg said, I want to. Woo. Praise God. Praise God. Part of the problem is, in order to remain, abide, wait patiently, we all kind of, we all kind of think this, and we need to pray. But we all kind of think, well, yeah, you're right, I need to pray more. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The problem, one of the major problems, why we do not abide, why we do not remain, why we do not wait patiently is because of our perception. You see, I just, I just led with all of that house stuff, right? The problem is, if you don't see the house of God, if you don't see Antioch West, if you don't see the man of God as good, you won't be around here long. Now, I'm not asking you to fake it now. He has off days too, believe it or not. I'm just saying, how you think about the house of God determines so many more things than we be. Imagery influences everything. Am I okay? I'm just going to deviate here for a minute. Remember, remember I did all that preaching a while ago about Noah and Genesis 6 and 5 and how the word Yetzar is there for imaginations, and Yetzar means the place of conception. I'm picking on you guys today. I don't know why. I can actually see. It's kind of scary. And, and how that the way we think, our imaginations, not only caused God to destroy the whole world, it wasn't necessarily their sin, but he looked into their mind or their hearts, and, they realized, and God realized they're not going to change. Every stinking thought they have is going the wrong way. Their imagination, the place, the very place, he looked deep inside that brain, and he said, the very place where they conceive thoughts is, is rotten, and I can't fix it. That's the same sort of imagery we have. When, you know, when you first get married, you, you have it. Oh, sorry, I need to leave you alone. <laughs> Come on, we have to get up here. <laughs> we have all of this imagery in our brains. You know, I've been married 31 years. Praise God. Thanks to that woman over there. No thanks to me at all. Amen, Sister Terry. She did all the work and heavy lifting. She tolerated. We had three kids and then another. Let me, let me scan the room here quickly. I want to speak a little bluntly, but not too badly. Let's be honest. If, Brother Joel, do you, still, do you still marriage counsel? I quit that a long time ago because I finally realized ain't nobody listening to what I have to say. They ain't listening. So you, you have these imagery. You have this uh, imagery and you know, if, if, if I was brave enough and I'm not, I was going to. Could, I could stand a couple up here and I could tell you exactly what they were thinking when they were married. And, you know, he's over there going, man, he's saying I do. He don't even know what he's about to do. All, he, all, all he's thinking about is the images in his mind of, ooh, now I'm free. Now, you know, she's my woman and I, all the pleasure that comes along with it. you my woman. Now we're going to, we're going to, you know, it's going, God sanctioned it. Um, you know, that's all, come on. Now, that's all he's really thinking about. Maybe a few other things I got to pay the rent. But for the most part, he like, let's get to the honeymoon. Let's get to the honeymoon. He's all about honey, 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 honey. He don't know that's a trap. <laughs> That honey pot going to dry up. Oh, I'm preaching now. <laughs> That's his image. 
It's wrong, but that's his imagery. That's his perception. That's what's in his brain. You can't tell him no different. And she's over there. She's been raised watching, you know, like my wife. Oh, God bless you. She watches the Waltons, a little house on the ferry, and all this other stuff. And, and, and she still suffers from a warped mind. She really thinks that's the way life should be. I'm serious. I'm not trying to be mean to her, but she's wrong. And we watch all these shows. Come here, brother. Come here. And we watch all these shows, and, and all they're thinking in marriage is, oh, he's so big and strong. He's going to hug me and hold me. He's going to cherish me. He's going to be with me forever. Oh, when he looks in my eyes, and, and you know, and he lowers that voice, and he goes, I love you, baby. What he means by I love you ain't the same thing she means by I love you. I promise you that. Don't. Get back to the notes. <laughs> well, we're talking about your perceptions that create problems for us. Mm. I mean, Mark, Mark 4 and 2, sower in the seed. That's all about perception. Right? So let me just read it. Do I have time? Okay, I'm going to take it anyways. This may be the last time I preach for a while. Pray for me that I don't. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, 4, 4, verse 12, dummy. Talking to me, not you. He's, after this parable, he says, that seeing you may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. The whole parable could be summed up with they, they couldn't perceive. In order to receive, you must have a perceptive heart. If you are a, if you have a receiving heart, you automatically have a perceptive heart. And that's what really kind of hurts us sometimes as leaders. We see people come and they're not receptive. You know they're not receptive. Their receptors are shut off for various different reasons. They're hurting. They've had a bad week. They have a headache. They don't like Brother Trombley's preaching and they discern real well that he's preaching and they don't want to hear it. Whatever that reason is. But the only person you're hurting is you and your ability to increase in God. I'll probably go on for a little bit here. In our next steps class, we were talking about uh, this. This uh, we were rehearsing John 15. I mean, man, it is so beautiful, right? It's like a love story. It's like poetry. Abide in me, and I abide. Let me go pick on him again. I think I made him red. (laughs) Abide in me, and I in you. If you and I abide in each other, you shall have whatever you want. And oh, you'll get great fruit. And I mean, all right, you're a little too comfortable there, big fella. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't coming your way. <laughs> uh, come on, man. At West, you've got to have fun now. I mean, we'll get deep into the word, but you've got to have some fun, man. Come on. And look, <laughs> looky, looky, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Got me all, maybe I turned red. Did I turn red that time? <laughs> it's a love fest. And then in the middle of the love fest, Jesus throws a monkey wrench to all you traditional theological Christians. In verse 10, he says, if you keep, I mean, right in the middle, you ever, you ever, you ever, oh God, 
I'm just so dry. I got to get off of this. Help me. Do you ever just be sitting there with your wife or whatever, and you're just it's, you're watching a movie, you're tearing up, you're drawing close, and the kids wake up and start barging in the room. And it's one of those, Jesus just kind of put, pump the brakes right in the middle of this love fest, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You shall abide in my love as I have kept my father's. Well, I mean, what in the world, G? You just ruined the mood. I am going to. Thank you, Wendy. I never realized what a big revelation that would be or could be to people. I never did. I just take it for granted. The word keep there, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, means almost exactly the same thing. The word in the Hebrew I happen to know is Shema. But it literally means to protect or to guard. Hope I'm getting it right. Right? Protect or guard. Let's just make sure. I got it in here somewhere. Don't want to lie to you today. <laughs> it means to protect or to guard. I thought I had it in here. I don't have it in here, so we'll just have to go. Or to watch. Let me ask you a simple question, Tino. Stand up. We go back a long ways, him and I. But I ain't going to try to fight him. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Mama didn't raise a complete fool. Close. But I ain't going to fight him. I might have to shoot him. Back in the day. Look, let's get back on point here. We can't go. We're not good for each other. Look, uh, so if, if, if I come to Tino and, and want to hurt his wife, or his children, or his grandchildren, he's not going to let that happen. Because he's going to keep guard and protect what he loves. That's all that word means. So if you love God's commandments, and if you love God's word, you will keep guard and protect it. And how do you do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You promote God's word and his commandments in your life to a place of preeminence where it is the first place you go, the first place you check, and the most constant reminder that's in your mind in order to help you remember not do something you're not supposed to do. And more importantly than do's and don'ts, but how to stay connected to God. Well, we're in the Old Testament, you know. Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in real trouble. I, I, he likes it when I get in trouble. You ever heard that old straw man argument from various different preachers in various different ways? And I'll leave the accent out of it. That way we'll just be cool. But it usually goes something like this. Well, in the Old Testament, you know, we're New Testament Christians. We don't have to keep the commandments. We don't have to keep anything. We don't have to do any of that. I just gave you the definition of the word. Is there anything wrong with the definition of the word? You keep and guard and protect what you love. If you don't love God's word, then you won't protect it. You won't promote it. Would you hear this? Well, the Old Testament, you know, them, them, you know, and I, I personally think this is a form of inherited racism, quite frankly. I know that's a popular word today, and I don't mean to jump on that bandwagon. I don't like it. But I think it's inherited. Well, you know, them Jews. I said I'd leave the accent out. You know, them Jews, they, uh, they're stiff-necked people. They have hard heads. Boy, they're hard-headed. And God had to prove that his head was harder than theirs. So he gave them something he knew they could never keep. 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 Under my definition. He gave them something that they knew that they could never do. So that he would prove, A, that his head was harder than theirs. And B, that they would finally fall down and repent and admit that they couldn't do it. 
listen, if that's your God, keep him to yourself. That's not the way my natural father works. It's not the way my spiritual father works. And it's not the way I raise my children either. And if it's the way you want to do it, do it. I find I have no problem. You do what you want to do. This is America, baby. But I don't believe that. Let me show you why. Uh, help me, Jesus. Stay there. I'm trying to come, but I'm going to have to let Scripture talk today, not Brother Trombley, okay? I want, to, I want to try to teach you and help you a little bit, and that's going to cause me to slow down a little bit. Deuteronomy 30 says this, 30 and 11, God speaking. He says, and the, the subcaption in my Bible is hilarious. It says, the commandment is not hard. And this is what it says, uh, Deuteronomy 30 and 11. For this commandment, which I command thee this day, it's not hidden from you. Neither is it a far away. It's not far off. It's not in heaven that thou shalt go there and get it. Who shall go into heaven and bring it down to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, what, uh, who shall go over the seas for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near or nigh unto you. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. I'm reading to you from the law. It says... I'm not giving you these commandments so you have to go on a long journey to figure them out. I'm not asking you to attain to a certain... This is this how people are too in the church. Well, if I can ever just get my act together and I could obtain that level of spirituality that I once had. He's, he's, I don't even try that. Just, you understand what I'm saying? And then if you went to John uh, chapter, verse John chapter 5 verse 3. It says something like this. This is the Trombley version because I have no memory. I'm a 70s child. It says, keep my commandments because they're not grievous. There goes the narrative. You want to talk about breaking cultural walls down? There's a cultural wall. There's an inherited cultural bias that we have within us that prevents us from embracing God more fully. Or if I could bring it to the message, it prevents us from increasing more in faith. Peter had the same problem, didn't he? You know the story in Acts chapter 10. I'm trying to hurry. I really am. What time is it? How am I doing? Peter had the same problem. Acts chapter 10, I believe it is. He, he saw this vision. They tell me it was 12, 12 and a half years commentator since this verse, Acts chapter 10. And Peter still, 12, 12 and a half years, still hadn't taken the gospel to the Gentiles. 12, 12 and a half years. And you think you got a procrastination problem. And so God sends him a dream of a prayer shawl or a talit filled with all kinds of unclean animals. And him and God have this dialogue. And God finally says, look, Peter, you're not getting it. I'm not talking about the food. I'm not talking about the prayer shawl. I'm talking about your way of thinking about this. You don't ever again call what I have cleansed, meaning a guy like me, unclean again. And Peter gets the revelation and he says, oh, what does he say, Brother Trombley? I was going to have Brother Chris... Uh, Bullock, read for me. He's got one of those TV voices, you know. And God said, take off thy shoes for thou art on holy ground. He did a narration for the Holocaust Museum. His voice is, is pretty awesome, man. He, and Brother Joel and I, I think we share a similar thing where we just can't stand to listen to ourselves preach. It's just... Mind-numbing. Peter says, after this revelation, then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive. What a word. Catalambano. I'm sure I got that one wrong too. But it literally means to take eagerly hold of. 
So it isn't just some mental perception that Peter acquired. He acquired a life-altering perception change. And he perceived, he caught the lembano, he embraced eagerly that God is no respecter of person, but out of every nation, him that feareth him worketh righteousness. What am I trying to say to you? Well, we could sit here and talk about how perceptions of your past and your daddy and your mama and your divorce and your rape and your victimization and your trauma. And we've done that for almost a year. We've, the Lord has ministered to us all. And I'm trying to talk to you now, the other side of that coin, the other side of a renewed mind. In order to keep it, you're going to have to learn to increase it or it'll become old to you today. And the way to do that is to let God help you with the way you see things. I know so many people, family members. When I go home, it dismays me sometimes. Uh, Last time I went home, I don't know when it was. It was five to ten years ago. I went home. I found a bunch of my old buddies on the softball field. The same place we grew up, playing the same game, drinking the same skunky beer that they drank when they were younger and smoking the same joint. I'm standing there all by myself going, what am I doing here, man? And I thought I'd have a, and then they passed the joint to me. And I'm like, no, thanks. All right, man, more for me, man. I'm like, some people can ever leave their thinking to change. They can, they can physically get out of prison, but they'll always stay in the prison of their mind. And the word of God is the same way. You want to know more about the Word of God? You want to increase in knowledge? You don't have to take an intellectual class. You have to open your mind. Amen. The Holy Ghost. Essentially, we need to deprogram ourselves. That's what, I I know we shouldn't say that, and I know I'm in trouble, but that's what we're trying to accomplish here in West is not a deprogramming of you literally, but we are trying to deprogram ourselves. We're trying to let God help us shake out all the past traditions of religion, all the past trappings of our denomination, and all those cobwebs inside of us that keep us hung up in one place and the record keeps skipping. On the, you, you all know what a record is? Probably not. <laughs> I remember the old eight. No, never mind. <laughs> John 16 and 13 says, How be it when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you, or he'll show you the way into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Let me tell you something. Some of you believe, like I was talking to my wife on the way here, and I said, man, I'm so proud of my son. He has made ungodly mistakes in his life. Anybody want to cast a first stone? Oh, so we just... uh, so we just found, there, you're, the, you're the blame right there. <laughs> she confessed to being his principal. <laughs> and, but I'm so proud of him because he's learning some of the things that I've been talking to him and I'm talking to you about now at the age of 25, 26. And it's taken me almost to the age of 60 to begin to enter into some of these things. And I know so many people that never get there or they're 80 years old and they finally see it and they have no more time to enjoy the fruits of this new understanding and increasing. And I don't want you to be like that. Do you hear me? Can you feel my heart? I don't want you to be like that. Experience does change perceptions. Experience does help. But you don't have enough life to outlive all of your misperceptions, if you will. 
And the longer you ignore young people what I'm saying, the more faulty perceptions you gather. And the more entrenched you are in the environment and the culture and the community that you're a part of, so it becomes so ingrained in you, you can't get out of it barring a miracle. I got news for you. There are miracles in this house today. I'm not probably going to get to the rest of this. Matter of fact, I probably won't. What time is it? He's, he just wants me to keep preaching. Keep preaching. You're no help either. Let me finish this up then. The other part of this is remembering. You have to learn to remember. Let me give you a good example. This is hilarious. Well, it's hilarious to me. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, Brother Ray Lamo came to me and said, Brother Trombley, we're out of tithe envelopes. And we're out of uh, middle envelopes for the small groups, and we're out of this, and we're out of that. If I don't get them by next Sunday, there's going to be a crisis. It's going to be a problem. Yes, chief. Yes, chief. I'll make sure it happens. You know how I make sure it happens? I, as soon as I turned my back from, I pulled my phone out and I sent myself a text message and an email. Remember, this, 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 this. And not only that, after gathering was over. I went home and wrote a yellow sticky and put it on my office desk at home. Monday morning came. The first thing after coffee I did was I ran to the church and I gathered everything he wanted. Big bags of envelopes and all this stuff. And I went out to my car and I opened the trunk and I put it in there. Monday. And it stayed there all week long. So when I came back to service that following Sunday... I, for, I had forgotten, you know, I mean, I'm just walking to my wife, Jesus is great, hallelujah, I don't have to preach, I can just enjoy God, no responsibilities, everything's good, there's Ray Lamone, and all of a sudden I remembered that I forgot, but then I remembered that I planned for forgetting, so I ran to my car, opened the trunk, got it out there, never told anybody that I had Forgot to remember to remember to forgot, however that goes. But the point I'm trying to make to you, and I ran it back in and I said, Hey, you go, Ray, I'll never let you down. If you don't remember, if you don't practice the art of remembering, again, we go back to the beginning where you have to know what God is doing and you have to know what he's done because there's times in your life where he goes patient and silence on you and it doesn't appear that he's doing and then you have to ride on what he's done because what he's done is a sure thing in your life. You can't tell me he didn't heal me from drugs. He did. You can't tell me that he delivered me from all of these other things. He did. You can't take that away from me. I can stand on those things. Those things represent the character of my God. I wanted to bring, I told my wife I didn't have guts enough to do it. I have a stack about this high of prayer journals. That's what we used to call them. I don't know what I call them now. They're about this high. The first one was a little green uh, military book in 1994. Where I'd had enough of God and his shenanigans. I'd had enough. I'd heard his dad talk to me and everybody else. God is this, God is that. Well, he weren't that way in my life, by God. So I'm going to prove it. 
I got that green book. I was down in the radio room, three decks below sea level. We were off the coast of Africa at the time, and I was all alone. I began to write, God, if you're this, <laughs> and I date it, time stamp it. God, if you're all this, <laughs> God, if you're all this, it went on for two weeks, and I, you know, I was just, I was going to prove that God didn't exist. You hear me? If you have trouble hearing the voice of God, you might want to take what up, up what I'm saying right now. But it was about two weeks later, I looked up that prayer, that prayer book, and I saw that I had, and I'm not going to say what it is. I prayed about this, and I prayed about that, and I looked, and I went, he answered that. So I wrote it down, dated it. And I kept doing this, and I realized that we forget more than we'll ever remember. I, I have a stack, it's probably about this high of books that I can go back and look through when I'm really down and out or, I, or I'm resting. And when I'm resting, I look through them and I can see what God did for me. You, you can't take that away from me. Yes, you could go to the word of God for sure. And I, 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 y'all with me, you understand what I'm saying? You got to remember not to forget. Young people all the time, I don't hear the voice of God. You have, you just forgot. Because you're in a crisis now, and the voice of your crisis is yelling louder than the voice of what happened in the past. Hmm. That's why you have to remember. There are times in your life where the voice of the crisis that you're in today is so loud, legitimately loud, that you can't hear anything I'm saying. If you're in this room today and you're going through a crisis and it's loud, you're really not hearing me. I get it. I know it. I'm not offended. Been there, done that. (laughs) Pun intended. (laughs) But you have to rely, and that's why we worship and praise, because when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his presence comes. And I, I, Trish, what a wonderful testimony. But she, I don't know if she did it on purpose or not, but she, uh, why don't you come, Trish, and give hope, and I'll try to wrap the plane down on the landing field here. I don't know if she did it on purpose. We started singing, he opens the blind. You may not know it, but I'm legally blind. You may not know it, but I have in glass contacts right now. I just got over a massive eye infection in my left eye, and I'm, I can't really see notes very well. I can't really read well. It drives me crazy. These lights are killing me right now. It's like putting a plate of glass in front of your eyeball and shining bright lights into it. I'm not complaining. I've simply said that right now, I don't feel any of that. Right now, I see fine. Right now, everything is okay. That's how it is when you get in the presence of God. The voice of your crisis takes a back seat to the presence of God. But some of you don't choose for that. You choose to wallow in your crisis. You say, Brother Trombie, that's hypocrisy. Who told you that lie? Hypocrisy is, is to have the solution in front of you, but choose to sit and wallow in your crisis when the answer, or at least temporary relief, is right in front of you. To get up and dance when you don't feel like it. To get up and raise your hands when you don't really want to. To say, Jesus, you are good when everything feels bad. That's not hypocrisy. That's a declaration of faith and trust in what God has done. I wish some of you would get it. I wish you'd get it. I wish you'd get it. I wish you'd try it. There's a Hebrew word called zakar that I don't want you to forget. It literally means to remember. Zakar doesn't mean simply rifling through your mind trying to acquire the right thoughts 
or a thought that perhaps you're trying to index or find. Sakar literally means to employ your hands and your feet, your lips to eager and engage eagerly in whatever action of remembrance is required. In the Hebrew, remembering isn't a mental thing alone. But it's like everything else in Hebrew, it's an action thing. You have to do something to help you remember. I don't have time today. Well, maybe I'll read that one verse for you. But biblically, remembering is a body of activity, not merely a head activity. Likewise, to forget, get this, to forget is not to act. You got to get off of this but when we come into a gathering or into a small group and we don't worship and we don't praise we are declaring we forgot I'm not trying to emotionalize anybody I'm not I'm not into emotionalism but I'm talking about spiritualism if you will right now there's something there's something that happens and the old timers knew it the old timers knew it it's just something that happens that when we praise God, when we are broken up and we can't see you or on our last leg in life, if you will. There's just something that happens when we enter in to his presence and we give ourselves over to worshiping God. When we open up our mind to say, Jesus, I'm not thinking right. I'm not feeling right. I'm alone right now, God. Could you help me right now? There's something that happens that can't happen through an intellectual pursuit. It can't happen through a good teaching. It can't happen through good preaching even. There's something that happens. God is trying to get us as a, as, a, as a group to a place of personal increase. Notice I said that as a qualifier. I'm not preaching to you about increasing the congregation. Numerically, I'm talking, God's talking today about your increase. And when we started this, this, this beginning of this, sir, this gathering, man, there were, I felt like coming down and just saying, be healed in Jesus' name. Serious, but we went right into our old default mode. Let me give you one example, and I'll close. You know the story of Joseph, right? Joseph got thrown into many prisons, had many problems, but his final problem was a Pharaoh prison, I believe. And it was the butler and baker had a dream: one was going to live, one would die, one would die. And Joseph interpreted the dreams correctly. And he said, let me get this correctly, in Genesis 40, 23, he talks to that chief butler and he says, look, God's going to restore you. I've told you that through this dream I've interpreted. And he says this to the, to the chief butler. It says this of the chief butler. You did not, yet did not the chief butler Zakar. He didn't remember. He put no action to it. He didn't remember Joseph, but he forgot him. In other words, he forgot that God used Joseph to give him the interpretation of that dream and essentially restore him back to where the place he was. And he was supposed to do the same for Joseph when he got there, but he forgot. Remembering and forgetting are actions. They're actions. They have no roots in your emotions. They're actions. And you have to, and we'll go all the way back full circle. There has to be an element of discipline in order for you to, to see this. If I had the time, and I don't, but I'll quickly rehearse it. John 10 and 10 said, The thief comes 
not but to steal and to kill and destroy. And then you superimpose and put them beside each other. This verse, John 14, 26, 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Father sent in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring into remembrance uh, who uh, whatsoever I say unto you, peace I leave you, etc., etc. If, if I had PowerPoint today, I'd be able to put these beside each other. You could see that the thief, as you know, is your adversary. The Comforter is your advocate. The thief or the adversary comes to steal. He's a kleptomaniac. He comes to take away from you. But God comes through the comforter to teach, which literally means to give unto you. And then he comes to kill, which, which talks about immolation, or he gets you to stop sacrificing the right way unto God. And that's why the verse says... Uh, that the Holy Ghost will bring to remembrance. He will cause you not to forget. Forget what? How to sacrifice or walk with God correctly. That's the devil's I'm always trying to get you to not do it correctly or just get you a little bit off so that you'll begin to forget. And then, of course, he comes to destroy and God comes to bring peace. I really didn't want to preach because I felt like maybe, maybe, might chase that whole thing that was here away at the beginning. And I do not want to shame or press or push anyone. That doesn't work. But if anything that has been said here, not by me, has pricked your heart, to use a King James term, cause you to understand that you're not always thinking the right way, especially as it pertains to the places where we mine gold. We mine gold in here, folks. We have an opportunity to increase through mining gold in the Spirit every time we come together. Every time we come together. Dig deep. If anybody in here feels a need to respond. I'm going to open in a very old-fashioned way these altars for you today. But I don't want you to come down here and feel sorry about it. I want you to come down here and rejoice that God opened your eyes to see the shenanigans of the devil this morning. If you feel that way, would everybody stand to your feet? Would everybody at least give the Lord raised hands in your focus right now just for a few more minutes in your own way let's begin to worship somebody in here wants to respond if you do not have the Holy Ghost in this place if you've never been baptized in the spirit you've never spoken in tongues I've just outlined some of the reasons why you do because it is God through the Holy Spirit that causes you to remember and causes you to be led by him etc etc Pastor Wright would you come Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise right now. I know, I know it's, we're ready to go. A lot of us are already starting to think about what today has, but I feel like that the Lord has spoken this place today and that we need to seal this word in our heart. If you, it's a dumb analogy, but if you 
dig a hole and you put a seed in it, but you don't cover that seed up with dirt, that seed will not be protected from the elements. And even though it was planted in the soil, if it wasn't properly covered and protected, that seed won't be able to last. And I'm telling there is this, there was a life changing seed planted in this place by the Holy Ghost to somebody that you've been chasing an answer and God gave you the answer today. But the problem is, is that the answer he gave you is not the magic fairy dust that we've been told it's going to happen. It's not a five minute prayer meeting where you've shed 13 tears and everything in life changes and it's perfect. But they're saying, I'm going to give you the roadmap that you're going to do. And if you would do this, my grace would empower you to change. But here's the roadmap to change. And some of you in here have been searching God. You're, you're, you're tired of things in your life. You're tired of certain things. You're tired of this not working out and that not working out. You're saying, God, what can I do? And God's trying to tell you today what to do. And if you leave out of here today and you just say, well, that was good. Let's go try it. Well, I'll give it a shot. You're not mixing the word with faith. The Bible says you got to mix the word with faith. So I wonder if there's somebody here today that you're, that God, God spoke to you, that you felt a challenge in your spirit as a sign that you're going to mix that word with faith. I see Brother Ron's already done it. Would you come stand down here, lift your hands. You're not asking God for one thing. You're not coming down here to, 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 to shed tears. You're not coming down here to get prophesied over. But you're coming down here to say, Lord, by faith, I'm standing on what you're telling me to do. And be honest with God. Say, God, I don't really know how to do it. I don't really know what the next steps are. But Lord, I'm trusting in you that your grace is sufficient. Let your change begin today. Change your mind today. Change the way you think. Change the way you perceive the situations. God's not your enemy today. God's not your enemy, but he's not going to give you your way. God's not your enemy, but he is going to be the enemy of your way. Because he wants you to do his will. He wants you to do his plan. And he will be the enemy of your plan. Some of you that are standing out here, you feel like God's resisting you, that God's mad at you. He's not mad at you, but he's going to resist you from getting your way. Until you finally come to the place to say, God... I'll do your will. I'll do your way. No matter the cost, no matter what it is. I'll think like you want me to think. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go. In the name of Jesus. Come on, don't search for a feeling. Exercise your faith. You say, I don't feel anything. We're not looking for a feeling. We're speaking faith. Don't look for a feeling. Don't seek for a feeling. Speak faith. Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've heard the word, now we speak faith. We've heard the word, now we speak faith. God, you said it, I believe it.
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. see you 